Hello, today we are going over the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and this one's on empowerment. And the key verse is Romans fifteen nineteen. I'll go ahead and read that real quick. It says, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, sorry about that, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. The author says the gospel works to change this world by leading people to experience God's glory. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God constantly works around us and in our workplaces to advance his kingdom. God also empowers his people with particular gifts and abilities that strengthens believers in their calling. This empowerment is not necessarily a reflection of a person's spiritually maturity or holiness as much as it is a gracious sign and pointer to the glory that is to come with Christ's return. In his second coming, all things will be renewed, and until then, God's power comes to individuals in the midst of weakness to demonstrate God's divine presence and love. Believers experience God's empowerment so that they might be encouraged to press forward in the calling that has that he has given. The Holy Spirit empowers people to preserve and or persevere in difficulty and provides all that is needed to be faithful in our workplace. We have not been left to ourselves at work, but we have been clothed with power from on high. And that last part, clothed on power from on high, is from Luke 24:49. The deeper and true section says that when many Christians think of the Spirit's role of empowering believers, they think of spiritual gifts. No doubt, gifts are a key way in which the Spirit enables us to live out the gospel and expand God's kingdom. Yet the Spirit works to empower us in another way, namely by enabling us to endure difficulty and suffering. In fact, God's power is often closely linked to our weakness. New Testament scholar Gordon Fee explains, without explicitly saying so, passages such as Romans eight seventeen through 27 and 2 Corinthians twelve nine indicate that the Spirit is seen as the source of empowering in the midst of affliction or weakness. In Paul's view, knowing Christ means both knowing the power of his resurrection and participating in his suffering. Philippians 3, 9 through 10 says, Indeed, one needs to know the former to embrace the latter. God's concern for us in the present is the way we live. Uh, cruciform. Conform to Christ's likeness in his death. Philippians 3.10 As that has been illustrated in the glorious story of Christ in 2, 6 through 11. Suffering means to be as the Lord, following his example, and thus filling up what was lacking in his suffering, Colossians 1, 24. Nonetheless, Paul also expects God more visible demonstration of power 
through the Spirit to be manifested even in midst of weakness as God's proof that his power resides in the message of the crucified Messiah. In 1 Corinthians 2, 3-5, therefore Paul can appeal simultaneously to the reality of his own weakness and the Spirit's manifest power in his preaching and in the Corinthians' conversion. And in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5-6, he reminds these new believers that they be came so by the power of the Spirit, but in the midst of suffering, that was also accompanied by the joy of the Holy Spirit. God's power is not something we can earn or conjure up on our own, but it is available freely and daily to those who are in Christ. Further, the Spirit's power is not given primarily for the sake of the individual, from whom it emerges. God empowers us so that we may taste his glory and goodness, and so that others may as well. Whenever we mistake God's power for our own ability, we can become a hindrance to God's gracious work. Our pride makes us blind to God's work around us. Perhaps that is why God's power is most evident in weakness. It is during times of our inadequacy when we take ourselves out of the picture that we see most clearly how God's grace is dynamically at work. The power or the Spirit's role of empowering us is also a reminder that Christ will one day return. The moments of power we experience now are glimpses of the future reality when God's power and glory will be fully displayed. Nothing will hinder us from seeing him in his fullness. We often face moments in our work when we feel overwhelmed and inadequate. In moments of anxiety and stress, we can either turn to ourselves or to others to find some reason to press forward. Yet when we turn exclusively to these places, we forfeit the grace that can truly empower us. God has given us a spirit so that we can endure the trials and challenges set before us, both big and small. God's manifest his power in many ways. We may feel strength and encouragement in our hearts, or we may feel energized in our bodies and find that we have more stamina to complete our work. This doesn't mean that God gives us everything we want or ask for. Rather, it means he is faithful to give us whatever we need when we need it. In what ways do you feel overwhelmed or inadequate in your work? What might it look like for you to consciously and constantly rely on God's strength throughout your workday? And then the deeper at work section where uh, it gives the story of someone explaining it about their work. And this is written by a copywriter. They say, my job is to have good ideas. At least that's what I thought when I decided to go into advertising. After graduating at the top of my class with a great portfolio from a great school, I accepted a job that looked promising, one that would establish for me a rock star career. My eyes were fixed on the future, and the future looked bright. My college professor taught me that my future career trajectory rests on how I performed in the present. As one professor reminded me at graduation, you know your first job is really about finding your second. Even though 
that seems like a heavy burden, there was a solution. If you were ever stuck or struggling with an assignment, another professor told me, just remember a time when you were awesome and know you can do it. So that trick to being awesome was remembering you're awesome because according to the law of fake it till you make it, self-esteem conquers all. Not quite. Seven months into my career, I had a crisis, writer's block. Nothing was helping. No self-help or self-praise. In fact, I was hurting. I just had gotten an unexpected raise, which increasingly felt undeserved. This was no way... There was no way I was faking it that well. The last great accomplishment that could boost my career ego had happened in school, and that didn't matter now. My past seemed irrelevant, and my future looked bleak. One day, I walked into my boss's office, and I said, I'm struggling. I'm realizing every day how little I know. Help me. I felt so dumb afterwards, but his or her response surprised me. You don't know how little you know, but I do, she said. You are a gifted writer. Just focus and keep pushing. Push through the bad, and 30 years, you'll get to something wonderful. I felt both insulted and infirmed. Then I got back to work. Creative people spend most of their time struggling. Some even end up bitter and angry. That would have been me, too, if it weren't for God's work in my life. In hindsight... I believe the Holy Spirit led me to walk into my boss's office that day. In my weakness, he gave me the ability to be vulnerable with my boss and remind me that both my value and my future are completely secure on the basis of God's word, not mine, even if I never sell another ad. I'm learning to appreciate more that God has gifted me, not so that I can glorify myself, but so that I can glorify him and benefit others. I am so thankful that I am not alone in my calling, but that I have God who empowers me to do my job well. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us new life in Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us examples in the Bible and even examples of present day where you show us how your grace extends to us in ways that we can hardly imagine and that um, your word is true when you say that you lift up the humble um, you know it's your word says not to take our seat next to kings that we be um, uh, put to shame when the king moves us to have someone else sit there but wait for the king to call you into that place. And it talks about how you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And throughout all of the stories in the Old Testament and the New Testament, whenever someone set aside pride and humbled themselves, you were able to lift them up and bring your... um, your presence into that uh, into that situation. So I ask that you help us just to stay focused on you, just to not focus on what we each can do as individuals and 
and how we're able to um, handle the task, but rather just have the faith and trust that you put us there for a reason to ask you what it is you want us to do in that situation, Holy Spirit, and to uh, not be too full of ourselves, (laughs) Um, to be willing to be humble to you and to those around us so that we're able to uh, let you work in a situation. And if there ever is a spot where we can't see you working and we're getting really stressed out, uh, I remember you gave me uh, some great mentors who told me that if I'm being stressed out about a situation, that means I'm trying to do it in my own strength instead of trust that um, doing it in your strength. Because with your strength comes the joy that surpasses all understanding. So help us to have triggers that remind us that, oh, this is stressful. I'm doing it my own understanding or my own strength, not in yours. Or, oh, I'm being opposed in all these situations. And you say that you oppose the proud but you give grace to the humble. So where am I being proud in this moment? Where, Where is my pride standing in the way of you working? Help us to, to have those moments, Holy Spirit, where we can see you speaking to us and working in us. And I ask all this in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Have a great weekend.